It's a little cooler. Welcome this weekend and last here to Capital Sports. I'm also Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore and I am ready to guide you through an hour of the very best views, reviews, previews, news and views in the world of sports. We've had some technical issues tonight. Well, like, I mean, what would Capital Sports be without some technical mishaps? But we're going to get through it. We're going to have an awful lot of fun. Listen, it's fair to say that it was a very, very big sports week, a very big sports weekend, a lot of talking points. Um, we're going to go in just one moment to Andrew Flint and Andy Mack and a very special guest, uh, actually someone who was based here in Moscow, did a great job here and now he is in Brussels in the heart of Europe. So we're going to go to him in just one moment. Uh, or those guys in just one moment. Um, that, that's in the first segment. We're going to speak about the uh, Euro- the Russian Super Cup even that uh, uh, was played yesterday. We'll also have a bit of a look ahead to the Russian Premier League. It's starting of course next weekend. Then we're going to have a talk about the European Championships final last week. Last, this day, last week. Uh, in part two, then we have uh, Isol Cody. She's going to join France's Thierry Villery, a very good France du, of course, a stade du. He is the investigative journalist and he has an awful lot to speak about and to tell us about the Tour de France. There is some amount of news to come from that. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to bring down the curtain with the big, fat, filthy quiz. Um, but before we do, of course, there has been a fair bit of um, miss. Well, we have mishaps here in the studio on a weekly basis, uh, but in the world of sports, there as well, because there's a lot, a lot of action this weekend. The uh, 108 Tour de France came to an end on the Champs-Élysées. Uh, of course, uh, the uh, Slovenian Tadej Pogacar, he motored his way to yellow. He also got the polka dot and the white jerseys. Now, what are they? We'll explain it a bit later. And, of course, uh, Mark Cavendish, the Manx Bullet, he got the green jersey for the most points. Um, you know, and you know, it was very interesting because the final sprint today was won by a Belgian. Uh, and we'll explain why that is important a little bit later on when we speak with Thierry. In Formula 1, there was thrills and spills galore. Lewis Hamilton, he took out his championship rival Max Verstappen in the Red Bull on the very first lap. Now, I mean, I know he's getting blamed for it. We will speak about it with Thierry a little bit later on, but listen, Listen, it happens. I don't think he did anything wrong. Uh, he went on. He got a ten point penalty, or ten second penalty, but he came back to win with three laps to go. Um, that has moved him now within eight points of the top position. Of course, still held by Verstappen in the drivers' championship, but. Red Bull are now only four points ahead 
of Mercedes in the constructors race. Uh, what else happened? Well, uh, oh, I should say that it was Charles Leclerc in his Ferrari, who was a French guy who came second actually today, and the guy Lando. I was going to say Cardassian. That's a guy from what you call him uh, Star Wars. Uh, he uh, finished a little bit further down. He has, it was quite good for him because he got, of course, got mugged last week at the European Championship final, lost his watch, and he came and got a bit of money today uh, at the British Grand Prix. Um, the British Open Golf ended up uh, with uh, Colin Morikawa. He won a very, very good comeback from him. And a very st- like the golf was quite interesting today as well. Maybe Isak will mention a bit, a wee bit later on. Russia. Yesterday, they were playing against Portugal in Nizhny Novgorod, and they lost 46-29. Now, people say, well, was Cristiano Ronaldo playing? No, it wasn't. It was in rugby. So, uh, Portugal, they are a team that is heading for the World Cup in 2023. They're a very good side. They have been beaten, basically, everyone who's been put in front of them, and uh, they will qualify for the next World Cup. Yesterday, of course, as I mentioned, the Russian football season opened officially when Zenit took out Lokomotiv 3-0. That was their sixth uh, Super Cup uh, win in their history. But there were other things at play, including questions uh, raised by Guillermo and some other, let's say, malcontents, but why uh, Marinette Guillermo, the locomotive keeper, was not picked for Russia for the Euros. Um, Andrew Flint, straight away, um, Guillermo had a very bad game yesterday and it kind of kind of justified why he wasn't at the Euros, correct? Absolutely. I mean, look, the, he's got a lot of statistics that back him up. Um, he's got he's got one of the highest numbers of clean sheets in Russian Premier League history, but he's been error prone for years now. Um, and since Igor Akinfeyev retired a few years ago, he's actually been capped more than any other keeper for Russia. So it's not as if he hasn't been given a chance, but he was um, taken off at half time, having conceded four goals against Serbia, I think it was, before the Euros. Um, um, he's, he's just, he was he was horrific yesterday. Um, it's not exactly like it's the biggest, most important match of all time. And he, he was at fault for at least two of the goals. So um, he shouldn't be anywhere near the Russian squad, I'm afraid, anymore. Yeah, I mean, OK, we're going to ask Andy Mack in a moment because, I mean, he has his own opinion on that as well. Because, it, like, I mean, Guillermo could take off amazing saves. He could control the game very, very well and then just fall apart at the wrong moment or make a real, like, you know, it, it, we say schoolboy error, but it's even worse than that. This is a professional. And he is quite a good keeper. He was, at the time when he came to, to Loco, he was, you know, rated in the top 100 prospects of, in world football. So, I mean, there was quite a few players on that list. Um, Andrew, yesterday, Zenit winning 3-0 and it looks like they're going to go and win the title again this year. There's no one who can stop them, is there? Well, nobody's got remotely the consistency. Spartak will be the nearest challengers. They're, they're still lethally exciting. They scored something like 11 goals in the Paramount Premier Cup, the massive pre-season tournament. Um, they're going to be dangerous, but Zenit are just a level above. Um, yes, a lot of the three goals were all mistakes, in my view, from locomotives, defenders, slash goalkeepers, but Zenit were in control. If you look at the stats, I find it very interesting because Loke had more shots, they had more possession, more passes, the same pass accuracy, um, and yet Zenit didn't look remotely troubled, but that tells the story. They are such a good side that work well together. Okay, um, bringing in Andy Mack. Andy, uh, Dinamo are open up for the Moscow section. They're playing on Friday evening at 8 o'clock. They're down in Rostov. Um, How do you see Dinamo going this year, Andy? Well, as as Andy Flint said, there aren't too many teams that are consistent. And the one thing that they kind of were towards in the second half of last season was that they actually built a bit of consistency and almost got a run towards finishing probably higher than they, they should have done but in all fairness if they can keep that run together it's a really tough opening game and I think 
a lot can bear on those first few weeks when you're coming into a new season. Uh, their fixtures don't particularly shape up in a way that I, I think they will be um, they will be threatening too much come come Christmas, and I think that might derail them. Uh, they've got an, a tricky away trips to start off, then a home game against CSKA, away at Akmat, away at Ural, home to Loco. There's a lot of potential banana skins there, and they could be sitting closer to the relegation in the top. So consistency is key. I think it's really important they don't lose against Rostov week one. Okay, that is a, that is a good point. Like a point away from home would do them the world of good because, of course, Karpin, uh has said that Rostov will be challenging for a top four position this year. Um, Andrew, uh, Loco opening up on Saturday, eight o'clock against Arsenal Tula. Uh, I mean, they they need they, they look. I mean, the Super Cup they usually put aside and say, okay, we'll just take part in it. The first, like you know, Capital Sports were there for the very very first uh, in two thousand seventeen when they played in Super Cup, uh, and I mean. That was with was Spartak at the time. And, I mean, people going, ah, well, what the hell, it'll be okay. But Loco need to win that game. There's no, they, they need three points to open up because it's not going to be easy for them this season. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, Gatis Arsenal tool is a very comfortable, it's probably a good fixture for them to, to bounce back from the Super Cup. Like you say, it, it is only the Super Cup. It's a blow, but it is something they can easily move on from. Arsenal Tula were, were dire last season and um, how they escaped relegation is beyond me, to be honest. Um, and uh, I think with uh, Ralph Rangnick coming in, it'll be interesting to see long-term um, what effect he actually has. Um, a bit of confusion over what his role is, but I think that's a good first of the pitch for them. Arsenal Tula will be no, no match for them, and they should comfortably win that, which will get them off to a good start. Now, you mentioned Ralph Ragnar, of course. He was uh, head of the, uh, well, he, he took over the Red Bull footballing enterprises for quite some time uh, and the development. And, you know, a reputable coach as well. Um, it's a strange one because following on from Everett Stoffel's house, who was very, you know, hands-on and very progressive, Ragnar... Yeah. No one really knows what he's going to do, and and of course he's there with a president who could, or a CEO who could well be at the door in the morning. Well, yeah, I mean, I think um, there was a bit of confusion when it was all announced because, of course, we saw him in the stands at the beginning of the spring season, didn't we? And there was talk about which club he was going to, and that's when the discussions start. But my understanding is that it will be a consultancy role that he may he may be involved with other clubs in the coming months or so. Um, but he won't be a director of football. He will be running things from the pathway from the youth system up to the reserve team. And he will have a hands-on role, but um, it's uh, he, he won't be doing coaching. He won't be going into director of sports role. He won't be signing players. That's not part of his remit. Yeah. Um, but his influence alone is going to be great for Loco, so I can't wait to see yeah, it's not. A, it is. It's not a sport director. It's kind of a, a, a the football development role. Okay, very very quickly. Uh, Andy uh, Rubin are hosting Spartak on Saturday evening, eight o'clock as well. Um, Spartak or the new management? What do you reckon? Um, yeah, I think we were talking about this exact same thing again last season. Um, it, it seems to be a recurring thing that this you just don't know. Um, Roy Vittoria decent record at Benfica um, he's one of those coaches that I always found likes to do things in uh, like in, in everything so they defend as one every every player defends every every player attacks um, that's going to be tiring over the course of a season with an awful lot of travel involved uh, and I don't think they've got a big enough squad to deal with it um, so it'll be interesting to see how he tailors those kind of very direct tactics of 
mega defence to quick counter-attack um, into the squad that he's got. Um, I don't think they'll get close to Zenit and I'm not sure they'll finish in second this year either. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay, finally, and Andrew, very, very quickly, Siska um, against Ufa on Sunday. Ufa are predicted to go to go down this year. That's 8 o'clock kickoff next Sunday. Uh, Siska, they, I mean, they're a team in transition, a team in huge, huge financial problems as well. Uh, but they should be too good for Ufa for this one. Uh, yeah, you think so. Um I mean, uh, Alex Berezowski in temporary charges is not the worst person to have in charge because he's been around the club for a while. He's a legend there. But they, so far, they've held on to Nikola Vlasic. Um, though there is talk he will be off to AC Milan very shortly. If they lose him, then that's a major, major blow for them. In the short term, though, Rufa, I really don't see causing them any problems. Okay. Okay, guys, uh, are you, you're going to just like, you're, they're going to mute themselves in a moment, uh, and then they can join in because I know they have their own views. But I'm delighted to welcome, um, onto the airwaves here and someone who, you know, I, I had, he was there with us when we had our, our first champ talks, um, about three years ago now, and a terrific correspondent from Russia. Very, very, he's one of the good guys in, in media, one of the good guys in journalism. Now he's, he's a chief correspondent and also he's, uh, hosting shows as well on the brilliant Euronews. Jack Park, you're very, Welcome on to Capital Sports this evening. What an intro. Thank you very much, Alan. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> and listen, I underplayed it as well. I underplayed it. I could have said an awful lot more. I could have said a lot more nicer things, better things, but people thinking, ah, Alan, would you ever shut up and let the man talk? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm actually very interesting hearing you, hearing the gentleman speak this evening. It's been a while since I've actually tapped into Russian football, so I've got myself a nice little update of what's going on in the in the uh, preseason stuff happening. <laughs> there you go, because you were like, I mean, you you were you were like you're a, a mega sports fan. You're a football fan, especially, and I know I know that. And it, you know, it's a pity you're not here because, like, you covered all the way up to the World Cup, and then you moved out of Russia. You moved out of Moscow, um, but. The football has come on. Like it's it's maybe not in a good way, but it has definitely come on. The stadiums are definitely better <laughs> than what we remember. Um, well, definitely. I, I met you, didn't I, in Moscow during the Fenerbahce locomotive match. That's so right. There after after all that sort of scandal with the with the Russian the <laughs> Russian player had put a, a t shirt on and shown it about some, there was a big scandal going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, was it Putin, our our polite president? Was that? <laughs> What's his T-shirt? Yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> listen, John, I want to straight away. Um, I want to give you five minutes complete freedom. Tell us what it was like at the European Championship final last week, because you know you were one of the people, very very few uh, journalists who, from any side who were saying, you know what, guys, don't be you know booing the the national anthems of other teams. You even brought it up to fans in Wembley to say, come on you know, behave like, you know, have a bit of respect. But overall, yeah. you actually in, 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 in just tell, listen, three minutes, tell us what it was like. I'm going to shut my mouth and just let you speak. No, you're good. No, no, no. So, well, so I mean, yeah, that's interesting because you obviously saw me, me tweeting. I'm, I, this, uh, this European Championships actually didn't cover. I'm not a sports reporter. I'm normally just a sort of broad news reporter. But I've done a lot of sports reporting as part of my coverage, especially on, on the big ma major championships. I've been sent to places, not necessarily to look at the sports, but to look at more of what's going on, perhaps politically or whatever. This Euros, I have not covered 
a single match. It has been a pure uh, watching fan experience for me. I'm a Bristol City fan, in case anyone's interested. <laughs> so, the national, so the national team is quite important to us because we don't have too much uh, success at club level. Although we've got a great manager now, Nigel Pearson, who, pray, who has history in, of dragging people into the Premier League. Anyway, so I've really enjoyed, obviously, like every English person has absolutely loved this uh, Euro Championship, it was amazing. We were playing well. The, the 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 team felt like a team that we could really support. Their attitude. Gareth Southgate is our manager, so oh, I mean, I follow every single England match that has been played. But this one just felt a bit different and lovely. Um, and then, uh, but this the fan reaction and the booing of the national anthem. So I'm somebody who's who's lived abroad, moved around. Um, and I just find that the level, I understand the idea, you, you, you mentioned it about like creating the cauldron and stuff like that. I'm like, boo them when they're on the ball, <laughs> but just not the national anthem. It just didn't feel that nice. And actually, so my story of going to the final was I was at a friend's house watching the semi-final, a Slovenian friend in Brussels, and he said he had two tickets and it, he paid like quite a lot of money for them anyway um, and I said listen if I if uh, if um, he he was like I can't I don't think I can go to the UK because of the COVID restrictions um, and he said if I um, and I said to him if you win I'll buy them from you if we win and we obviously won very dubiously and <laughs> scraped that win a win is a win is a win Jack a win is a win is a win you win that match however it is an own goal and a penalty fine um, and then um, so my mother who got me into the football when I was young uh, so I just took her to, to, to Wembley so I just rang her she she came back from a holiday in Cornwall which is in the southwest of the UK I got the, the flight over did less than 24 hours but I just thought I'm, there's there's no way <laughs> with England in a major final that I'm not going so I'm now I'm now like really out of pocket but still we just ha we had the absolute best time there we had honestly the most amazing experience I think that the team where you guys know you guys follow sports all the time watching players in um in on, on the pitch when you're in the stadium you get a really different sense of how they play and what they're doing and what sort of a player they are and some of those England players and indeed some of the Italians really just I saw a completely different side to them Listen, it, it, over overall, okay, okay, breaking COVID rules and so on and so forth. <laughs> like we have to do it sometimes. It's hard to do, but we have to do it. But uh, overall, I didn't break any COVID rules. I oh, didn't break any COVID rules. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You have your you have your vaccination, sir, don't you? Fully vaccinated. There you yeah, long go. story, but I did not break any rules. There you go. Same <laughs> as myself. I'm vaccinated as well. Jack, just before we go away, just don't ask you. Um, okay. When 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 someone when your country is going through and doing well the whole lot like it's, it's you know you feel this pride, um, what do what what do England fans need to do to start to win hearts and minds again? Because I know the like seventy I always say seventy percent of English fans are brilliant, and they they are the ones whose voices need to be heard. They're the ones who actually should you know, should be speaking up and listened to by the media, by myself, yourself, and so on. What do England fans need to do to make sure that they win hearts and minds for the future, especially when they go on to win the World Cup in Qatar? <laughs> yes, exactly, Alan, when they win it. Uh, so so I, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the, what's, what's interesting right now is we have a team that is leading from the front in dignity and losing well and fighting racism and having real 
principles of what they want to look like as a team and what they want to stand for, which are kind of conflicting with that, as you say, like very small percentage. The reporting I've done in the past was, especially at the Euros five years ago, I was in Lille and Lance, and like the fans were legitimately crazy as were the Russians we remember <laughs> yeah, Dan, yeah, Dan in Marseille true. there was problems with it's not it's not only England no some of the Russians again important to say and so the question is how do you do it I mean I think that the leadership from the team is, is brilliant at the front uh, I think there needs to just be a slight change in attitude and I think part of what's happened now is there's a lot of frustration in the UK with Covid I know that that's in every single country as well there's a lot of expectation on the team that I think made people lose their minds a little bit um, but it's it's hard isn't it because people don't want England fans in their country and also what you, you mentioned Qatar I mean that is not a country that is going to be very welcoming of <laughs> alcohol, alcohol no. driven hooliganism no. uh, so there's going to have to be some big questions about what, what happens it's going to be really interesting there because the Qatar authorities from what I know are just not going to not going to take that so we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens but I, I really think that the, the English FA is going to need to start looking at how they, how they deliver <laughs> tickets and who exactly is getting them Okay, listen, uh, Andy, Andy and Jack, thank you so much for your time this evening. Jack, look, we're going to get you on again in the next month or so just to sort of catch up and see how Bristol are doing. And good luck on Tuesday. I know they're playing Portsmouth in a friendly, so the very best of luck. Thanks so much, Alan. Have a great day. You too. Okay, folks, we're going to get to the break right now. We're well over time at the moment, but we're going to, we, we, had a good cra- we had a good chat, a good crack with uh, Andy, Andy and Jack. And we're going to go out with DJ Fresh, DJ Fresh even and Goldus back after the break with Iselt and Thierry. Sports with Alan Moore.
завершение уикенда на Capital. Join us on a journey from the beach to the dance floor. Chicane presents Sunsets. Каждое воскресенье в 11 вечера провожаем отличный уикенд. Встречаем новую неделю. Смотрите на Иви. Видишь, Крес, значит, сегодня я с Кириллом, и он видит меня за то, что у него нет больше матери. Утром проснусь, здесь будет круг, светка жива, и будет ненавидеть меня за Кирилла. Смотрите сериал «Побуждение» только на Иви. Скорее к историям. Реклама 18+. Okay, welcome back, folks. I hope you enjoyed that little interlude. It's a little bit actually more calmer, that song, than the normal original version is because, uh, yeah, I've listened with my son, Tim, and we kind of go a bit mental around the house. But anyway, um, okay, so this segment, folks, is brought to you in association with our partners at Match Business Consulting, the number one stop. The number one shop, even, your one-stop shop for all your sports business consulting and management needs. Um, folks, we're going to speak with two, well, one of our, our co-hosts with the East Hilton in just one moment, and we're also going to speak with Thierry Valdery, uh, one of our great friends. Um, but, you know, there's, there's times in sports when you can just sit back and enjoy, turn off your brain. Like, you know, when it's watching the Euros and you see these players running, 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 uh, and then, you know, kind of Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer saying, oh, like, you know, those guys, like, you know, the, the Italian two central defenders, you know, 35 years of age, and they seem to have a lot of running in them and so on. Maybe they're taking something. And those kind of things, going, oh, no, don't say that. Like, you'll have to speak with your own guys because you've just been praising one of your own players um, for having endless, boundless energy. So this is where we kind of come into where we have to sort of ask a few questions ourselves. We'll go into that with Thierry in just a moment. Um, and we do ask the questions, and I'm, I'm kind of proud of that because our team are really, really good. Uh, but first, the Formula 1 today, um, it was a real, like, rock'em, sock'em derby. It was very, very good. Isolde, um you... <laughs> What was, 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 I was going to say Tyler Hamilton, he's a cyclist, but was Lewis Hamilton, was he guilty of the crash? Did he cause that crash? The first one with Verstappen. Uh, did he cause the crash? His positioning caused the crash. Did he uh, intentionally? No. I think if the, if the roles had been reversed, obviously he had been in that line, then Hamilton would have been the car that went out. When you go flat out at the cops, that's what can happen. And I don't think it was something that merited as much as Red Bull were calling for. So basically, Lewis got a 10-second penalty um, and Red Bull were understandably concerned because Max Verstappen had to go to hospital for checks and was out of the race. But it ended up being a phenomenal race because with a 10-second penalty, Lewis Hamilton went on to win and actually made the point of driving by another driver at the exact same spot yeah. in a very similar move. So it just shows, I suppose, to an extent that... <laughs> That's the place you go flat out, and this is how these things happen. Look, it made for a very interesting Grand Prix, and it's made the championship right back open because well, there's only points in it. Exactly, there's only a few points in it. But at, at the same time, when I saw Leclerc, when it was kind of you know, the other thing when, when he saw Lewis Hamilton in his rearview mirror. Well, he doesn't have rear, he has side mirrors that he can look back with, not rear view mirror, like, you know, with dice hanging from them. But when he looked behind and saw, I'd say that he probably needed to change his underwear right away. It's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, guys, okay, here's what you should do. If you're on the team radio to me and Hamilton is behind me, just don't bother telling me. Let him go by, but don't tell me because 
it just when you know that Hamilton is behind you, it's like being the mouse with the cat directly behind you. Yeah, because yeah, he literally he actually went off. He he actually lost the run of himself as well. The the, the yeah. French lad. He went off the course in the hollow. But anyway, um, okay, but. I mean, it was an, it was an exciting race. It was all good, but the one thing that we have, like, because it was a huge comeback from ten seconds, you know, down or ten second penalty. But of course, the one thing we're all asking was like, what the hell did Tipperary do? Ten points ahead at half time, then going on and lose and getting a great consolation goal. What's wrong with Tipperary? Um, I, I was calling for a ten second penalty for the Limerick players. <laughs> Look, uh, the amazing thing of. Sport, that's what's wonderful about sport, um, I suppose, the same way with hurling, the same way with uh, the Formula One. You can seem like you're doing well, you're booting along, and next thing you know, you've got your tail between your legs and you're thoroughly depressed. But you're, that is the joy of sport, and when, when the field is even, this is how things can go. So I suppose that moves us seamlessly to cycling. <laughs> yeah, it does indeed. Now, of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Tour de France finished off today. Tadej Pogacar from Slovenia, the young superstar, he won three jerseys, not one, three jerseys uh, on his way to collecting the yellow. Um, he won the polka dot, which is white with red dots, which, of course, is the king of the mountains. And he won the white jersey, which is for the best young rider. Now, he put in a phenomenal display up in the mountains. I, I watched them. I was just sitting there thinking, I came home from work, stuck it on, thought, this is amazing. Um, all the way from Stade 2, just finished, just finished his dinner, just to be on with us in time. <laughs> Thierry Villery, um, yes. bonsoir, and thank you so much for joining us this evening. Good evening. Um, Thierry, okay, yeah. uh, we're going to speak about motors in just a moment, because some of the stuff that you've put up that I've been reading about, but that I've been watching, it's just, it's, it's making me more and more, it's grinding my, I'm grinding my teeth at night just <laughs> even dreaming about it. But, uh, listen, when, 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 when will Pogacar be done? Because he is the absolute carbon copy, even his behaviour of um, Lance Armstrong, he's co- he's he kind of he's coming across. He's cocky. He's smiling. He's not even sweating as he's flying up mountains. Yes, you know I have a friend Antoine uh, Antoine Voyer, who, who his name on on Twitter, his nickname is Festina Boy because he's the ex coach of uh, Festina team in the nineties, and uh, he gave a nickname to to that Tadej Pogacar. His nickname is Pogastrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I hashtag that today, Poga Strong, exactly. Yes, yes Poga Strong. It's okay. It's, uh, maybe it's because it, it, it looks like uh, Lance uh, on his time and uh, also because he's very strong. And the question is, is he too strong to, to be true? Uh, yeah, because what I saw in the first week especially in the first week, when he take the gap, he make the gap, he made the gap with uh, with the other, especially Carapaz and Vingegaard, more than uh, five minutes. Uh, what he did in the time trail in Laval and in the first mountain stage in uh, in, uh, in the Halp, in, uh, especially in the, in the sloop uh, Col de Rome and the Col de la Colombière was totally amazing. And the question is, can we believe that? It's just a question, but we, we have to we have to put the question because he didn't um, make the the same performance uh, after that in the second and in the third week. 
Nope. No, in the third week, I mean that one when you when you put the time into Carapa, uh, yeah, into, into Carapaz, and what was yeah. it? The, the um, oh goodness, who was the other climber? Quintana as well, Nari Quintana. And yes, when, when you see him just moving away, that sprint finish after going up the like you know going over the mountains, he just does it effortlessly. Now let's let's put it into context as well, okay? Um, like Lance Armstrong, he was he was a good junior. Well, actually, he was a very good underage. He's still very young, but he was a very good rider the whole way through. Unlike the likes of, say, Chris Froome, who was you know, kind of, you know, came on you know, late in life um, or late, late in, in, in what we would uh, consider the athlete's life. Um, but he has always been an outstanding cyclist. Um, is he just a genetic mutation or should we be asking questions not just about what he's taking, but also what he's sitting on? Yes, and uh, we have to to, uh, to questioning. I don't know if it's correct in English. At uh, the staff around, oh. I, I made a, a report, a short report last year, uh, just at their arrival uh, on the Tour de France on the same day, the same Sunday last year, uh, just to telling about his staff, Janetti, Machin Fernandez. Janetti is the manager. Machin Fernandez, the coach, the the DS. And uh, they were all the time involved in a doping story all their career, all their career. So that, that put a big question uh, above the head of Tadej Pogacar. We cannot say that he's dodgy, he's uh, probably uh, really strong, but you know, Lance also, as you, as you said, uh, was strong in his uh, early years. But we know that after he, 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 he admit that he took some, some pills also when he was uh, 16. Yes, you know? that's right. So we don't know yet at this time when we, when we saw these outstanding, incredible performances, if it's real or not. That, that's, which, that's what we, 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 have to, we have to say. Okay. On my point. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, want, I do want to believe that this kid is just superb because I know a lot of people kind of turn their noses up in terms of Slovenia and they're like, oh, Slovenia's not so good. But I'm, I'm sorry, but Slovenia is a very sporting nation and they have a history of cycling. They, you know, they, they, they have a history of outdoor sports, of canoeing and, you know, even football, rugby. So they, they are a very... You know, like most small nations like Ireland, you know, they, they tend to over, you know, they, they concentrate on it. But still at the same time, um, the question about, you know, as you showed, <laughs> we were doing the sound before we came on air, the whizzing motors that people yeah. are hearing. Um, this for me is becoming more and more evident because I'm seeing uh, when Mark Cavendish, I think when he won the, the, the stage into Carcassonne, the beautiful, beautiful city of Carcassonne, the amazing, yeah. amazing city of Carcassonne. And he goes in and wins. And 30, was it 32 kilometers out? He changes his bike. And immediately I'm thinking, like, this, this, this is for me is dodgy. I, I would immediately say, right, give me that bike and give me the bike you yeah. just sat on. Um, how prevalent... Do we believe is motor doping, uh, the use of motors in bikes uh, in professional cycling and in this Tour de France in particular? It's, uh, it's always like the, the, the monster or the Loch Ness, you know, it disappears and suddenly it, uh, it comes up uh, uh, above the water, you know, and um, we, we, we cannot prove yet 
that uh, it's been using, it's still using in the peloton, but there's always some rumor, some sounds like like the guys say uh, in uh, in Le Temps, the the Swiss newspaper, uh, that they they heard some strange things in the peloton. Uh, there are some sweeps bikes uh, that uh, seems dodgy also. Uh, performances, uh, style um, of cycling in the in the in the slopes in the mountain, for example, the the the, the style the pedaling style of Pogacha in the mountain is so so smooth that uh, he, he don't he don't uh, he, he looks like he's on the uh, on the flat road uh, when the other guys are on the uh, on the mountain, you know. I- I it think seems like it seems that it, it, it looks like very, very strange, and also the check by the UCI, even with the X-ray, uh, we have some doubts. It's okay. very interesting to hear how they're now discussing Thierry, the types, uh, how the suspicion, and I suppose there was the report of certain riders coming out, obviously anonymously, and saying that they felt uh, they were hearing this noise. But the idea that we're now not looking at motor doping in the way we always thought it would be, that it's almost similar to now. The description is similar to the F1 idea of where you basically yes. in power and release. And the, actually, there was an interesting example. We were discussing it in the house today. And the example was with the, you know, with the, the spikes that athletes are using. So like the vapor flies, where there's a, a cushion and it's essentially you're keeping the power in and then releasing it. So the UCI are x-raying bikes, they're doing all of this, but in the same way blood doping has evolved, motor doping is clearly evolving. And if they're hearing a whirring noise, give it a year. We won't hear a whirring noise anymore. It'll have disappeared because there will be a way around it. I suppose, are we going to be too focused every time we're looking at one type of doping, we forget about the other and it advances. So while we're looking at motor doping, will we see... The problem is is that my point of view is that uh, the guys who use perhaps motor doping, uh, it's belt and braces. Oh, yeah. it means you need you need chemical doping and motor doping. Yeah, I just want to ask on on that because I'm glad you guys brought brought it up together because of the advances being made. And then, what do we look for? Are they working together or not? Is it both motor and? You know, chemical doping, because, of course, uh, the Bahrain Victorious cycling team, they had their hotel raided. There were the, the French police were obviously, well, they said they're looking, it was a drug probe. Um, Thierry, is there any chance that the police would actually go looking for motors as well? Or are we still not at that stage yet? We're still, as Isol said, focused on one thing rather than the whole complex. No, they, they were, um, they, uh, they, they just look and they have the area, the, the, um, the ability to investigate only on only on uh, chemical doping, not uh, technical uh, mechanical doping, because it's it's almost difficult to to have a, a frame of law uh, to investigate on this, and you have to have strong suspicion, material suspicions, something solid to investigate about motor doping. But if you find something strange. Uh, during a, a, a chemical investigation, you can open maybe uh, another file. So we will see because they catch the laptop, and uh, I don't think that they they grab something uh, something strange. 
but they catch the laptop and maybe they, they will be maybe uh, more lucky with uh, with that than uh, because we are sure that uh, the laptop of the the, the, the doctor of uh, Bahrain Merida uh, is not stolen in Greece like uh, <laughs> <laughs> like the doctor and this is this this got us into a bit of trouble the last time because when you said oh you were like you were on holidays with your friend Richard Freeman in Greece <laughs> and people took it literally and were like well then you should know what was on the laptop I was like no he was he was being sarcastic <laughs> no he said he was I was like okay whatever guys listen thank you so much Thierry uh, yet yes. again Thiesel thank you very much for speaking shortly my English was good enough listen Thierry well, your English some progress with you your English is better than Alan's yeah <laughs> there you go Thiesel does right <laughs> Thierry, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so, so much for your time. And look, um, I'm hoping we're hoping we're going to get you on around the time of your birthday at the end of next month. So just to have a little chat as well. Okay. Thank bye you bye. so much. Bye bye. Thank you. So thank you. We'll talk in just a moment. Right, folks, we are going to get to the break. Of course, that segment is brought to you in partnership with Match Business Consulting, Russia's number one sports business consultancy. We are going out right now before the Big 550 quiz with Apollo 44. I had to take my teeth out and put them back in again. Apollo 440 and Stop the Rock. Capital Sports. With Alan Moore. Stop the rock. Stop the rock. Stop the rock. Stop the rock. Can't stop the rock. Can't stop the rock.
завершения уикенда на Capital. Join us on a journey from the beach to the dance floor. Chicane presents Sunsets. Каждое воскресенье в 11 вечера провожаем отличный уикенд. Встречаем новую неделю. Okay, folks, we are back. Hope you enjoyed that a bit of a rocking around the clock. Well, whatever, rock. <laughs> Don't stop that rock anyway. Okay, folks, we are going to move on very, very quickly. We have the Big 550 quiz, but we have a bit of news uh, right now. Breaking news, of course. Um, Andrew Flint, do you want to tell us just what you have found out? There could be a change of the guard at the top of Siska Moscow. Yeah, we've been looking to see who the permanent manager might be, and former Rush boss Stanislav Chichesov has returned to Moscow from his holiday with strong suggestions he may even be named as Tesca Moscow boss tomorrow, or at least very soon this week. It'll have to be quick because the season starts soon. It's not confirmed, but it's very, very likely Chichesov will be back in club football. Okay, that is good news. So, folks, you heard it here first on Moscow's Capital FM, Capital Sports. Okay, I'm going to give a call around the house to, see, to make sure that everyone is on the call because, as I said, we had some issues with it. So, Andrew, you are there. I know that. Peter P., are you there with us this evening? I am, I am. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Isil, you're back with us. I certainly am. Lovely. Okay, and uh, just so you know, Thierry said say thank you very much and goodbye to you. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> there you go. Double N, you're there with us. Uh, yep, yep. Lovely. And Andy Mack is on the line. Ready to receive. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> Sorry, I mean for feck's sake. Um, Alex B, are you there with us? No, no, Alex B. Peter P, <laughs> you've got to get Alex B back in the line. You have the power of persuasion. He is afraid of you, my friend. He's afraid I, I, of you. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. You see, <laughs> it takes a while to convince him because he, he fears me. I know, I know. He's quaking in his little booties. Okay, uh, right. Uh, by the way, folks, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks could be wrapping up the NBA playoffs tonight or early tomorrow morning against the Phoenix Suns. Um, it's been a, it's an interesting one, a big, big turnaround around that um, but we are, we are going to go straight on to our quiz right now um, we're going to start off with an interesting one these are Olympic boxing champions I'm going to give you the first name you have to give me the uh, family name okay so you have to give me the family name so here we go okay this is and, and by the way you get an extra five points folks if you give me the year and the nationality of the said boxer okay so here we go straight away Andrew Flint he was a heavyweight and his name first name is Ray Ray so what's his family name, year, and nationality? These are strictly Olympics, right? The Olympic gold medalist, boxing, yep. Gold medalist. Oh, God, Ray, you say Ray, I can only think of Robinson, but I'm, mm, I don't know if he was Olympics. No. It would be a long, long time ago, I guess. No, it wasn't. No, he, he was Olympic champion a lot longer than that. So give me a year and give me a nationality. Uh, all right, we'll go with... 1956. No, okay, okay. I'll give, you, I'll give you a chance. It's in the 1980s. There you go. I'm, I'm helping you out. No, no. All right, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing well, aren't I? <laughs> um, 
I'm going to get the wrong year, aren't I? I'm going to say a football World Cup instead of Olympic year. Christ, come on, let's get this right. Uh, let's go 1980. No, 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 no. And uh, the nationality? I'm going to stick with American. I know it's probably wrong. Well, no, you're correct. USA. Because, of course, they couldn't have been in the 1980 Olympics because they were boycotting. But there you go. Okay. Right. On to the next one. Uh, Peter P. Question for you. Super heavyweight. All right. Super heavyweight. His first name is Tony. 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 So what? What's oh, his... that's easy. That's, that's, that's my guy, Tony Baloney. Okay. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so he was super heavyweight, but no, not Tony Baloney, Tony Yoka. Uh, his con- Yoka, Yoka, uh, and his country and the year, and it's in the 2000s, to 2000s is the year. So give me his country and year. I'll go with... I think, I think, I think he's, uh, he's American. No, he's French. All right. <laughs> All right, then 2000 and... Oh, two. No, 2016. All right. Triple zero for you there. Okay. Uh, Isolt for you. Robson, and he was a lightweight. Robson, and he was a lightweight. And 2000s. Oh, God. Okay, let me think. I'm trying to think of the... What were the Olympics in the 2000s? 16, 12, 8, 4, 0. Come on, quick. Quick, quick. Sydney, Sydney, Athens, Beijing. <laughs> just, just leave her alone. Stop panicking her. Come on, come on, Isla. Come on, come on, come on. I can't think of any lightweights. I literally can't think of any lightweight gold. Right. Fuck Alan. Me. The only thing I can think of is Pernell Whitaker. That was in the fucking eighties. Oh, oh my god. Okay, Isla. Okay, all right. It's wrong. It's, it, it was Ruben Consell. Consell. What's oh, his con- his country and year? <laughs> I'm going to go with 2000 and... Uh, you said 2000. What years in the 2000s did they have? Oh, 2000, 2004, 2008, 2012, 2016. <laughs> Come on, quick. I'm going to go with 2008. No, you should have gone 2016. I'm and his country, his country. Quick, quick, quick. I'm going with Cuba. I've given up on life tonight. Brazil. Brazil. <laughs> oh, God. You should see my face right now. Yeah, it's, it's as red as your dog's. Okay, right. Here we go. Uh, double N. James. And he was a middleweight. Quickly, quickly. James in the middleweight. All right. James, where is he from? Oh, I, I should get that too, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Quick. All right, let's say James Rodriguez. No. Zero. It's DeGale. De- James DeGale. Okay, his country in the year. Yeah. In the 2000s. In uh, the 2000s. Uh, okay, mm. 2008. Well I'll done. Go, uh, well done. Case. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the country... Uh, Great Britain. Whoa, well done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Isolt. Really? Yes. Double N just beat you, Isolt. Oh, my goodness. Right? He put in his nickname into the chat and he had his medal stolen this week <laughs> while his family were watching the England game. There you go. That was the punishment he deserved for watching England play. Okay. Andy Mack, for you. Just, Clarissa. Just to rub it into Isolt quickly. De Gale beat a Cuban. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> right. All right, Clarissa, Clarissa, and oh! she's a middleweight. <laughs> Andy, quick, quick. <laughs> We're still in the first round, for Christ's sake. Come on, quick. 
I didn't catch any of that. Can you say Clarissa, that again? Clarissa, and she's a middleweight. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> You're just having a meltdown in the background. I can hear it. <laughs> Quick, Andy, come on, come on, please, God. <laughs> No idea. No okay, idea. Clarissa Shields. Clarissa Shields. Clarissa Shields. What's her country and what year did she win her? Uh, she had won in two. She won two Olympic golds. So give me one of the years, quick, in the two thousands as well. So her uh, country uh, and the year. Two thousand four. No, uh, two thousand twelve or sixteen. <laughs> so what's her country? I <laughs> uh, still don't know. American. Yeah, well done. Five points. Okay. <laughs> oh my gee. Okay, Alex B still isn't with us, so we have to move very quickly on to round number two, the missing word. And here we go. Andrew Flint. Okay, here we go for you. I won't retire with, without... Uh, sorry. I won't retire until I win at what? This is Lucy Bronze. <laughs> this is Andrew Lucy, Flint. Lucy, Lucy. Lucy Braun, she's the English footballer. So, I won't retire until I win I, at what? The, the World Cup, I assume. I'll give you two points for at the international level. Yeah, she's talking about going for Olympic ah. gold with Team GB. Okay, Peter P, okay. Um, French police raid team hotels as what? This is the Tour de France. Before that, I, I, just, got, I just got a word back from Alex. Yeah. He, he texted me that he, is, he says... I'm at Tom Brady's house, and then there's a scared emoji. So whatever that means. <laughs> I think he's. I don't know if he's volunteering or he's forcefully locked up. Well, well I wish him the best. Nonetheless. Yeah. Okay, that could be a very sticky ending, right? Um, not in the. Oh, not in the sorry. A whole, sorry. Lot, whole lot on consensual kissing. I think. <laughs> okay, God, please, uh, Peter, answer this question because we are running out of time so badly. French police raid team hotels as what? Is it Tour de France? As a, as a, as a very lovely man. <laughs> Jesus. I'm giving you three points for that one. As questions are asked about Slovenia, Slovenia's rise to prominence. Okay, uh, Isol, for you. Uh, English fans... Okay. <laughs> Eng- no, I'm not going to read that one. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, here we go. Um, Nuno confident that Spurs... I'll give one a uh, Spurs one for you. Nuno confident that Spurs... What? Fans are better than the English fans. Uh, <laughs> you can't get away with not giving me the English fans one. That's I'll, disgraceful. I'll give you two points. It's confident that Spurs will keep Kane. There you go. Uh, so I'll give you two points. Anyway, right, double end. Very quickly for you. Germans leave field due to what? Uh, due to a Russian team. <laughs> <laughs> You're challenging your Stalingrad. Three points for that. No, it's due to alleged racist abuse. So it actually was quite serious. It was in a uh, pre-Olympic warm-up match against Honduras when they were playing uh, three 30-minute uh, periods. It was 1-1 and they walked up because of abuse of one, well, alleged abuse of one of their players. Okay, finally, Andy Mack, very, very quickly on this. We're going to fly through this one. Uh, Smalling what by Mourinho in Rome? Smalling what by Mourinho in Rome? <laughs> Chris Smalling, of course, the English player. <laughs> Andy, you can just answer that. <laughs> Tickled. <laughs> Tickled by Mourinho. 
<laughs> I'll give you two points for that. No, it's excited. Oh, it actually, yeah, it is actually worse. He's excited. That's even worse. Jesus Christ, Chris Smalley, what is wrong with you? Uh, right, okay, very, very quickly we're moving in because right now on seven points we have Andrew on three points, uh, Peter P on two points, Salt on 13 points. Lucky for some, unlucky for others. Uh, double N, and on seven points, it is Andy Mike. Okay, very, very quickly, flying through this. This is just either true or false, or a quick uh, multiple choice. Okay, Elizabeth II has opened two Summer Olympic Games. This is for Andrew Flynn. True or false? She's opened two Summer Olympic Games. True or false? Uh, false. Ooh, it's true. She opened London and Montreal. Montreal as head of state. Okay, uh, <clears throat> that is now open a door for Peter P. Peter P, you can slide on in there. Right, uh, USA topped the medals table in four of the last six years. True or false? They topped the medals table in four of the last six years. True or false? Um, I'm going to say False. Well done. That's 10 points for you. You are now in joint first place with double N. Yes, you are correct. Nice. Well done, because they have topped it in five of the last six Olympic Games. Okay. Um, okay, Isolt, the Windsors have opened three Summer Olympics. True or false? The Windsors have opened three Summer Olympics. I'm going to go with true. Well done, well done. Ten points. You've moved into a share of silver. Okay, because of course they opened the uh, the the recently deceased uh, Duke of Edinburgh opened the Brisbane Olympics as well. Okay, uh, double N. This is to win the whole thing. Okay, so Team GB have topped the medal table one, two, or three times. One, two, or three times. Quickly. Uh, I I go with three. No, you should have gone with one. One. Okay, you're on 13 points. Very, very quickly now to Andy Mack. Andy Mack, this is for all the bidets, if you can get this one. Um, who has won the most goals between these countries? Hungary, Italy, or Austria? Hungary, Italy, or Austria? Uh, summer only, yeah? Yeah, yeah, summer only. Uh, Italy. Well done with 206. Andy Mack comes in last. And he wins the whole kit and caboodle. Well done, Andy Mack. Guys, thank you all very, very much. Have a great week. We're going to go straight away now out, of course, to the evening. So well done to all our competitors there this evening. Uh, folks, thank you very much for hanging on with us here this evening. I know we had fun in here and I know you had fun at home as well. Uh, remember, folks, COVID's still not going away. People are still getting sick. So look after yourselves, OK? If you can get the vaccination, get it. I'm not saying go get it. I'm not pushing it. But, you know... Look at the risk yourself, and it's worthwhile being protected to it. I got my one, so it's maybe, you know, I'm, I still mask up. Okay, folks, we're going to go out to the lovely evening. Uh, nice weather, about 23 outside. This